I'm Ren Young. And I'm Katrina Vargas. And this this is That Other F Word. So it's kind of heavy heartsville over here at That Other F Word. Um, In the nation. What'd you say? In the nation. I mean, most people are not happy with what just happened. Eh, Probably about half half <laughs> you, you guys are talking like trump got elected president or something what unfortunately that's still reality for now so we are recording this on the 19th of september um so that's the day after we found out that uh justice ginsburg passed away so we got a text from mitch last night about 10 minutes after we got a text from doobie telling us um and with sadness he also demanded that we produce an episode for this today you're right i demanded (laughs) that you do your due diligence as feminists i don't think i think the point was we didn't have to be oh dare i demanded we would have done it without your express desire i mean thank god for covid or like he would have been like using that whip on us. Seriously. Um, don't don't think that I'm I won't still. <laughs> How long is it? Is it six feet? Let's just say it's long enough. I've never had any complaints. Okay. It's not about okay. the length of the whip, it's how you use it. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. What are we talking about in this episode? <laughs> this is our way of not crying through it we're just going to yeah. be the total normal assholes that we are yeah that's uh, i think that's the thing that uh like i hadn't even gotten to the thought press process of like oh we need to do an episode on this because i was just like so sad yeah did this happen and i think we've never touched sad topics before well, today's going to be a talk full of funness, um, but it does start, of course, with, you know, devastating news for us. Well, and we're going to cover, we're going to talk about her in our way, right? We're not going to try to talk about her the way NPR will or CNN or whoever. Like, we're going to talk about her the way we talk about things. Hey, um, speaking of, um, oh you guys, like, wave at me if you need anything. I'm going to put in my AirPods and listen to NPR talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> their podcast well you're gonna just say what they say and let no, us no, just- no no I'm just gonna be back here listening in my airpods <laughs> you guys just let me know if you need anything okay all right yeah. cool okay, nice try nice try you're the worst worst <laughs> <laughs> like literally uh, uh, I'm just so, trying to keep it light here, kids. Yeah, we no. and I think we really should. This is a woman who, um, in our our sadness, really did. You know, we're sad because of all this great, all what she meant to us. That's why we're sad. But really, we should be celebrating her, you know, her life. So let us know. We'll try to keep it a little bit, you know, lighter, even though the ramifications of her death and, you know, what happens now is a little dreary. So despite the fact that we found out about this late last night, you know, I got a list. (laughs) A 17 page Google Drive thing, which of course, you know, I love. Um, So I'm just going to get started, you know. 
I, I would imagine that even among people who are, you know, of course the world is full of all kinds of people. Yes. So there, there are a lot of people that are huge RBG super fans. And then there are probably people that are disappointed about losing a liberal justice, but may or may not understand why it's such a big deal personally to a lot of people. Um, and I'll tell you, like, I, you know, I loved RBG, but I, I wouldn't say that I was like, I wouldn't say like I was a mega fan. Like I didn't have the earrings and the shirts and all of that business. Um, although of course I appreciated what she meant to our country, but I will say, you know, I hadn't seen the movies. I you do still have haven't. socks though, right? You have socks. I think I have socks. Yeah. Did you okay. give her those socks? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I found myself, the more I researched her, really like personally identifying with <laughs> personally identifying with all the things that made her so great. <laughs> no, but just, yeah, they spoke to you. The things she did were more in line with the way you think and act and feel and yeah, the know. kind of, the kind of leader she was and the way she approached things and strategized. I, you know, I like, it made me feel more empowered. Um, yeah. And so she was a feminist icon and we'll talk about why. Um, she served 27 years on the Supreme Court. And so when I read that, I was like, so who appointed her Carter? That's almost 30 years. Nope, that's Clinton. <laughs> no, when I started thinking about that, it just, it just doesn't feel that far, that, you know, that long ago. I'm like, she's been on forever. But then I'm like, Clinton, like, right. I don't, she's been on forever to us probably, but like, well, you, yeah. And I mean, he was not by far like the first president I remember, obviously, but still like, it just seemed like so much longer ago and it is long, but then it seems like yesterday. I don't know. It's like it's a really weird crazy. thing that happened. Um, so she was the second woman appointed to the court after Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Um, so she passed at 87 from metastatic pancreatic cancer. Uh, she also, you know, I think there's this narrative of like her being this like, you know, like hardcore fighter because she also, she, she had pancreatic cancer twice. She also had colon and lung cancer. Like, yeah, yeah no, she was a badass. Um, tough, uh, tough little old lady. She, uh, so Chief John Rob, Chief Justice John Roberts said of her, our nation has lost a justice of historic stature. We at the Supreme Court have lost a cherished colleague. Today we mourn but with confidence that future generations will remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg as we knew her, a tired and resolute champion of justice. Um, it's also worth noting, and we'll, we can talk about this a little bit, um, days before her death, as her strength waned, uh, Ginsburg dictated to her granddaughter, Clara Spera, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Wait a minute. Can you back? Did, did he say she's a tired or tried so that's why i kind of like said that like i'll have to look that back up but i did copy and paste this <laughs> so uh, he might have said well we'll I, fact check that yeah. both applicable I, I, well i mean tired is not a compliment that you give to somebody <laughs> like in any circumstances it's like 
I just want her to go out being remembered as tired. Well, I'm sure she's like... <laughs> I, I, I hope that it was tried and it was Miss Tired. You know what? So I don't even think I have this on here, but one of the things that I learned about her is that like, and I, once again, like I feel for her in this, she like didn't value sleep the same way a lot of people do. Okay. She worked like... I think it, like it may have started when her husband had cancer when they were in law school. She ended up, she would be up with him, like, dick, like, like helping him with his work and feeding him at 2 a.m. And then she would be able to start on her homework. They also had like a, a toddler at the time. Um, and she apparently kept crazy hours when she was a judge and adjusted. Like, of course, she, she was, she worked hard. Well, I've got... The quote from RP, uh, NPR, and this does sound the most accurate, and tired and tried are both wrong. Seems like he says, we will remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg as we knew her, a tireless and resolute champion of justice. <laughs> so, better. Much better. Um, <laughs> much makes, better. And that makes perfect sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, justice. wait, why is, why is he saying that? That's kind of like a well, backhanded compliment. Like, yeah, uh, she was so tired all the time. Just sleepy, sleepy RBG. <laughs> the Associated Press screwed up the, the quote. Um, yeah. We used to call her RBZs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's laughing. Um, so... And and Chief and Chief Justice Roberts, whether you agree with him or not, is is a brilliant man. Um, I think he probably thought well and long before he just. Said I, I think so. <laughs> and it was, and and of course, it was nice, short, sweet, and you know, appropriate to her. Um, so anyway, okay, so that's cleared up. She wasn't tired, well, at least not to Chief Justice Roberts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, Thank you guys. Yes. Um, um, so, <laughs> Maybe so, I'm projecting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rin's so tired, she's just not even reading words anymore. She's just making them <laughs> up as she goes. Events, she's, she's cutting and pasting from the AP at like midnight last night. Give her a break, right? <laughs> yeah, because her producer demanded that she do this episode. No, carry on. You know what's yeah. funny is my mom also, because I called her and, and she answered and she said, I know, like I saw. And um, she was like, well, now you have to do an episode on this one. And I said, well, you know, we've got these other two episodes that are also timely, you know, so, but I, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And she was like, no, I think those can wait. <laughs> and then Mitch texts and I was like, well, these two. And then I got a call at some point and, you know, so that would do them all. We'll do them all. They're all relevant. Um, they'll become less relevant as we release them. Um, but they're still yeah. some of these things are still mm -hmm. a thing. So. so let's talk about why she is a feminist icon. Um, and I, you know, I definitely learned some things that surprised me. Yes, Mitchell. I want to guess. I want to guess. Is it because she's a woman? <laughs> yes, Mitch. That's ma that makes everybody a feminist, just being a woman. I thought so. I thought so. so. That means See? you're a woman. Nailed it. So good. God, we've really been working. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you've been listening the last two years. A lot of I mean, you're a maybe. feminist. God help. Yeah. Fine. I'm having chest pains, but that's okay. <laughs> it's because you're thinking emotionally. 
Oh, was oh. that it? That's and part I'm, of being a woman. I'm thinking in a shrill tone as well. Probably, probably sure. having a period right now. I actually, that's impossible. You know what's what's fun is we're gonna do a whole episode on hysterectomies today too. You guys get to enjoy that later. Wait, how many um, episodes are we doing today? Jesus eight, Christ! How much time do you think 18. I have? Eighteen episodes. You guys act like I have, like I don't have things to do. You know, it's the thirty-fifth anniversary of Super Mario Brothers. I'd also, yeah, right. I'd like to point out this is also the Jewish New Year, so Shana Tova to all the Jews listening. Yeah, um, it's Rosh Hashanah. That was yesterday. No, it started at sundown. That's what I said. It's oh, it started today. It's technically today. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. Oh God! Um, all our holidays, FYI, um, start the sundown the night before, and cool. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is Jewish. Uh, yeah, I've got more on that, but I also read something about someone, a Jew. I know we don't like that word. A Jewish person who dies on Rosh Hashanah. Is, aren't they, is, is there something there, Katrina? Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, they've been, I think, I don't know. I don't know that complete rule. You know, I'm like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, not a true practicing Jew. She was not, by the way, everybody. Katrina um, is Jewish light. <laughs> I actually have a shirt that looks like it's written in Hebrew and it says I'm Jew-ish. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I should have worn, worn it. Um, um by the way, for those of you who don't know, I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, born Jew, um, was Jewish, was, was not practicing, doesn't make her not a Jew. I was born Jewish also. I do, I made challah last night. Um, and maybe we let people define themselves. Yes, you know? that's correct. And so, but in the, in the Jewish faith, you're, if you're born a Jew and unless you do something distinctly to make yourself not a Jew, you die a Jew. Okay. So anyway, um, so Rosh Hashanah, New Year, it was not the greatest news to hear, by the way, on the new, you know, the dawn of the new year, her dying on, you know, it just kind of really sucked. It didn't feel like saying Happy New Year, you know, it's kind of a yeah. bad way to start, but. You could probably just hold off until January if you, if you really need to give you plenty of time for start, morning. Start a, a Gregorian New Year. Oh my God. I hate everybody. Uh, but I think I read something about <laughs> a Jewish person who dies on Rosh Hashanah being like honored or held, Well, they say that they are held back. So there, this one, a Jewish teaching says those who die before the Jewish New Year are the ones God has held back until the last moment because they are needed most and were the most righteous. Before the Jewish so, New Year? Sundown started the Jewish New Year. Right, right, right. But it says it, the people that die before the Jewish New Year. Just before it. So, like, just before it? Like, what, read it again. The Jewish teaching says <sighs> those who died just before the Jewish New Year are the ones God has held back. Well, she did die right before sundown. And so sundown starts the New Year. And this so, is nice. Why are you picking this apart? Right. I, I don't know. I think that I need more of a time frame other than just, <laughs> just being the time frame. Just before. I mean, you Jehovah know, I mean, says, could that be like a week before? No, like imminently, I think is really. But I'm sure, like, like fifteen minutes. 
within the day, probably. Oh, okay. I'm not a Jewish scholar. Okay. Never have professed I'm to so be. I'm so sorry I brought this up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Completely derailed the, the entire podcast, Ren. Thanks. Way oh, yeah, to go. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so she was known I'm going to go she- away. Okay. You, really you guys should. carry on. Bye. Take a minute. Thank you. Come back when you have something useful. <laughs> Uh, so she was known as the chief architect for women's legal rights. Um, so, you know, I mean, we could, you know, of course, last night I'm at like 11 p.m. like stressing about like finding a full list of her achievements. But you guys, I mean, you can find that. You'll hear that other places. Yeah, and we're not going to do that. I mean, she had an 87-year-old life. You know, she died at 87 years old. And, you know, 60 of those years were dedicated to a life of, the law and service. Yeah. I mean, we, we can't, we, we can't possibly list every accomplishment she, she had, you know, I mean, it's just, it's not feasible. But and she there are a lot, had barriers law. like left and right. Okay. Like as a law professor, as a judge, as an attorney. Um, but I think, oh, she was the general counsel for the ACLU. Um, well, also in a time, by the way, let's remember in a time where a lot of women aren't doing these things. We don't have a lot yeah. of women who are judges. We don't have a lot. Of, I mean, she's only the second on the Supreme court after Sandra Day O'Connor. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's not forget, like she's still, she's in, she's in law school. She's probably one of only maybe two women in her law school class. I think it was like nine women in a class of 500, I think. Um, yeah. Well, actually, so I've got this near the end, but we'll, Move it up. This is common. Uh, this, but the the dean at the time had all the women over, and he had them go around the table and explain why they were basically worthy of taking a man's place. Oh, that was a story she liked to share. Um, and that that's not the first time. I mean, I worked at a law school. That's not the first time I've heard of that. Like that, that was a very common question women got all the time why you're here taking a man's spot why you could be married and raising children you're taking a man's spot a, a man could be here why talk about why? entitlement boy wow <sighs> yeah god help okay sorry yeah. <laughs> um so she was the general counsel for the aclu she founded the women's rights project at the aclu one thing I so this is so interesting. She picked uh, cases a lot of times that a she knew she could win. She didn't go for big flashy cases that you know she thought would make pr- the press, but she had a good chance to lose. No, she went for cases that she knew she could handpick and slowly chip away at the things that were holding the laws that were holding women back. Well, how you know I think about it, and you know you were. I mean, I was only thirteen when she's appointed. I don't know if anybody knew really who she was before she's appointed to the Supreme Court. I so mean, she, like yeah. nationally. Right. She was appointed by Carter to, I think, the Court of Appeals. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I couldn't name a single Court of Appeals judge right now if, I, if my life right. depended on it. No. Um, <laughs> Millions of them. Right. Um, so she, she picked cases as an attorney that she knew she could, like, win and slowly chip away uh, at, at the laws that were holding women back. 
She also often picked cases where the plaintiff or whoever was a man. So the man would be the beneficiary because, and she got a lot of heat for that. But what she was trying to do is, which is something that we on this podcast try to do, is demonstrate that equal rights are best for everyone, that everyone benefits from equal rights under law. And I think that is brilliant. And I, you know, she got a lot of flack for not picking big flashy cases and for, and for going after things that benefited men. And I, you know, Katrina and I were talking about before we started recording, you know, once you get to the notorious RBG status and, you know, she's wearing sunglasses on t-shirts and looking like a gangster, you know, people forget about all this, right? She wasn't, you know, our idols are not people that aren't full rounded human beings. And while not many people, certainly on the left, had negative things to say about RBG, once upon a time they did, yeah. right? And so we have to remember when we're, you know, submitting people to these purity tests all the time and, and you know, you know, especially on the left side, eating, the left eating its own, right? Like, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, this isn't, like, you know, we have to be more thoughtful and mindful and remember that, you know, wars are fought on many fronts and what she was doing was meaningful, even if it's not what Gloria Steinem was doing or what Betty Friedan did, or, you know, I mean, I think that's a really important lesson. Well, we're all, I mean, so, you know, we, this is happening so much now and it's like, you know, somebody not woke enough and not, you know, no one's going to ever fit the mold you want them to fit into. Right. You know, they've got to live their life just like you have to live yours. And, you know, she, yeah, she, she was a flawed person and she may have made decisions you don't agree with, but they, they meant something to her. And well, I don't think those, right. I don't think those were flawed. I think no, but, I know that's not what you were saying. Uh, you're just yeah. speaking more broadly. I think she did exactly what she needed to do. Right. I think that was very wise. Well, um, and, it, and it was, yeah, it was, that was her belief set. It's like what you and I talk about, what we believe here and what we talk about doesn't represent all people, all women, all feminists. Um, and it's important to kind of, kind of remember that. And, you know, maybe I feel like we're all on this like really self-righteous kind of kind of track here. And I don't know when you all thought you were so perfect, but you're mistaken. Right. <laughs> Perfection's not attainable. Um, when we achieve it, we're dead, I think. Um, and I just don't know, you know, but you're right. RBG all of a sudden is this grand champion. We, we put her on this great pedestal, but she wasn't always on that pedestal and she wasn't always highly thought of right. or kindly thought of. Well, and it's, you know, Maybe we laud the people who are, I, I'm, she deserved every bit of love that she got. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe we don't like go so hard against the people in the trenches who know what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, because she knew what she was doing. She was an attorney and she knew. Uh, so <laughs> knowing this is a quote, knowing that she had to persuade male establishment oriented judges. She often picked male plaintiffs and she liked social security cases because they illustrated how discrimination against women can harm men. For example, in Weinberger v. Weisenfeld, she represented a man whose, life, whose wife, the principal breadwinner, died in childbirth. The husband sought survivor benefits to care for his child, but under the then-existing Social Security law, only widows 
not widowers were entitled to such benefits. That's that case is amazing, brilliant, and that man absolutely deserved benefits. Yeah. In what world do we say, oh, only a woman gets it and a man, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. It's what we fight and say, well, how come only men can get this? Well, (laughs) it's got to work in both directions. We, you know, we as feminists and her as a true feminist then said, well, if I get death benefits, benefits, he should get death benefits. Well, and strategically, isn't that the way to win over primarily white male juries and judges? I mean, yeah, I think so. You know, sometimes we have these lofty principles, right? Like, but we have to be strategic. I'm not throwing our principles out the window, but like we can't be like virtue signaling all the time. (laughs) Like we can't, it's not effective. Right. (sighs) Like, yeah, I I could get into that whole situation all day. Yeah. Um, So I, I guess, you know, I feel like she's a true testament to authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I wrote this last night, but there's, there's a place and a need for the tactician, the quiet, determined bookworm, the person who is nervous and skips lunch so they don't puke because she, <laughs> she apparently, I think it was before her first Supreme Court argument, which not when she was a justice, but when she was arguing before the Supreme Court, skipped lunch because she was afraid she was going to puke. Of course, she went out there, and then they said she was too emotional. Um, oh, of course. <laughs> sure, shrill as well. She was a parent. Um, I think she had a, her husband had cancer. I think one of their children had cancer. Um, you know, there's a place in the fight for justice for caregivers, for parents, for people who are marginalized, because like we said, she was Jewish, for pragmatists, for incrementalists, and for people who are reserved, you know, Katrina and I talk a lot about, you know, sometimes it's introverts who are the best leaders. And she's, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to guess she was kind of your classic introvert. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. she just definitely wasn't an in-your-face kind of, you know. Yeah. And this isn't to say that this is the only way to be a leader and and a change maker, but it's just kind of... It's important to question the narrative of what someone who makes change has to look like. Right. And I think that's incredibly important. Um, you know, she is, she also, something that I think is interesting, she had like what I consider a relationship for the ages. I mean, she and her husband were incredibly supportive of each other. Um, apparently she was a terrible cook. He was a great cook. So he did most of the cooking. Um, you know, they both took care of their children and apparently he was actually, from what I read, he was the more like gentle with the kids. Um, I find that fascinating. And that was, you know, she and he were doing that at a time when it wasn't even accepted the way it is today. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> um, you know, feminists don't have to look like what we think. They have to, she was not a bra burner. Right? Like she was. Yeah. I miss Raw Renny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did, I also like just made a list of some like stuff that I thought was interesting about her. Um, so her collars that she was so famous for, they were actually coded. So uh, she had 
two collars that she would wear on decision days, a lace collar featuring gold trim and charms, which was a gift from one of her former clerk. And she wore those when she was uh, part of the majority opinion. And she had a mirrored bib necklace. She was gifted at Glamour's 2012 Women of the Year Awards. And she wore that when she was on the dissenting side. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Um, I think you all might be surprised to learn that when she was, before she was appointed to the Supreme Court, a lot of women's groups and women's activists were actually against her appointment because she had been vocal about questioning the legal reasoning around Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. This is kind of another example of why purity tests are kind of garbage. Right. Um, she was confirmed by a vote of 96 to 3 in the Senate. That seems like something that would never happen. <laughs> Correct. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Um, on the wall of her chambers, she had an Old Testament quote, justice, justice, thou shalt pursue. Um, she rode horses and parasailed in her 70s. Uh, she and Scalia were besties. So I'd like to, this is the one I want to pause on. Um, so I don't know who, who of you knows or doesn't know anything about Supreme Court, but Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg could not have disagreed more at work. Their job was being on the Supreme Court. <laughs> but they were like, they were absolutely best friends outside mm -hmm. of work um it just shows you one to me living in an echo chamber isn't smart like these are two very smart people who really just disagreed fundamentally on like a lot of policies the law you know things like that but they still i mean they upheld the law that's their job is to uphold the law of the land but they could they could disagree at work vehemently and then go off and watch the opera together and be friends and be civil. And so we've lost all civility nowadays. And it, there's no reason for it. I well, mean, you're just, you're not being smart, to be honest with you. When you're losing your civility, you're, you're just, I'm sorry, you're not, you're not smart. I will okay. say that a lot of that has to do with the decline in the opera popularity because if we could all just go see the opera together then i don't think that we would have this civil unrest i'm gonna go uh, <laughs> probably not untrue but now with covid we can't do anything in mass um and the opera does help everything but but really you know i think that our us being so reactive all the time and being so ugly to people who don't agree with us, if we would just have a civil conversation, we might actually, so instead of them focusing on all of their differences, they focused on their similarities. Because yeah. ultimately, if you do that, you'll realize you have a lot more similarities than you do differences. But what we've chosen to just ruminate on nowadays is all of our differences and just be continually be ugly and pointed out instead of just saying, oh, you know, but we both enjoy all of these things and let's kind of bring that to the table and have like a normal people conversation instead of just screaming at each other. Yeah. And not with the goal of secretly winning them over to your side, by no. pretending not to talk about politics. No. <laughs> I will say, I, 
I don't think a lot of people know this. This wasn't specific to Scalia and Ginsburg. We had, when I worked at the law school, we had Justice Kagan come and she, like when she went back, she and Scalia were going to go on a hunting trip together because they're also, they were also were buddies. So, you know, I mean, I don't know how it is now with Kavanaugh, but this is not a, this is not a unique situation. Like they all like, you know, this is your job, right? If your job is to, to have these like opinions and stuff all the time, like that's not the only thing you ever want to talk about. And like, and you're face to face working with these people all the time, right? Like you see them as human beings, not as your opposition. Right. And so, but even, even if we applied that to everybody we encounter, if we would just start with, this is another human, we would be so much better off instead of attaching all of this baggage to whatever it is. And so them not doing that, I think was such a great example of like professionalism and friendship and kindness and all of those things because they close the doors to the, you know, their offices and that's it. Okay. They're just, you know, Ruth and Antonin or aunt or whatever she, she called them aunt or something like that, you know, ruin aunt. <laughs> I mean, cool. Yeah, there's actually a, an opera based on their relationship, Scalia and Ginsburg. And um, a lot of people were like, why is his name first? And her response was, well, even though he was, I believe he was younger than her, he had been on the yeah. court longer, so he had more seniority, so his name should be first. Yeah. We just don't have to be dicks all the time about everything. <laughs> we, do, we do, though. We're like, oh, but Ruth should have been first. Well, but if he attained the position, whether we agree with how he attained it first, whether she should have been there first, that's just not how it was, and he had been on the court longer. We don't have to attach all this value to All the stuff to it. Yes. Sometimes it just doesn't matter either. Whose name is first. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. It's not a, everything doesn't have to be a fucking statement. Right. It's just a title. I mean, you know, we interchange them all the time. It's not always Rin and Katrina, Katrina and Rin. Mitch is always last, but you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) If we're Val's, he's the why. Sometimes why. (laughs) Sometimes why. And you know, but I mean, really, there's no, there's, it doesn't matter. Like, stop hanging so much crap onto insignificant stuff. We just take, make mountains out of molehills, literally all the time. So I just Um, want to point out that civility. I think, yeah. And well, that's another reason why, like, (laughs) I feel like she really embodies what this podcast is about, right? Like, in yet another way. Yep. Um, She was on the bench the day after her husband died because she said it's what he would have wanted. She's a very Uh, stoic lady. Yes. So this is from the Atlantic. Uh, they, they had an article about this woman, the heart who had written, a, who wrote a biography about her. Um, she was the quintessential product of the post Holocaust era, uh, in which new to America, Jewish families prized education and social justice. She said to be a woman, a Jew and a mother to boot was a bit much <laughs> because she couldn't get a job after law school. And she actually had a professor um, I think she ended up clerking for someone and the professor ended up convincing the person by saying, if she doesn't work out, I'll find you someone else. But if you don't take her, I'll never send you someone else again. Cause he believed in her so much. And that's how she got her first job out of law school. Um, 
her nickname was Kiki or Kiki because she kicked when she was a baby. I love um, it. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's all my fun Ginsburg trivia. I, you know, I think we in this day and age have a lot to learn. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd like to, you, so we talked about her being one of nine at Harvard. Um, she is there uh, matriculating in 1956. She had her daughter in 55. Yep. So this is happening with a child who's no more than one. At the she was time. 14 months old. 14, okay, there we go. So, you know, this is, she's, this is a hardworking lady um, who did a lot of things at a time where. And her husband was, was ill. Yeah. Just did while, while they were in law school. Stuff. I mean, yeah. So, I mean. She's a badass. Yeah. And I think, you know, what she shows maybe more than anything is the things that make you who you are and the situation that you're in can be your winning hand instead of the thing that holds you back. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I don't really want to talk about what this, what this means for our country that much because <laughs> I'm going to get aggravated. Well, um, and everyone else, you know what? I, I think the rest of everyone is going to cover talking about that. Yep. And so um, we'll let you all, I think everybody should like kind of, unfortunately, vote. vote unfortunately read i mean read about her unfortunately a lot of people don't read about people until they've gone they're gone but you know maybe do some reading about her there's some really really neat things about her that are just it's it would we would we could be here for three months straight just going over all her coolness and all the things she did and you may be surprised that you don't agree with some of the things she did um and that's okay i think that it doesn't change her he was a real person. Thatcher to us, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, she's a cool lady who served for a very long time. We should be grateful for her service. Um, you know. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's how we end this. We end it with, with gratitude. Gratitude. Absolute gratitude. I think any woman who attains Supreme Court justice status um, is, is remarkable because we still are fighting for all these things that we talk about all the time and cool and then she served for an incredibly long time through incredible you know personal trials and tribulations and yeah. you know and she fought she fought for us to stay on that that court yes she did she she was not and some people i guess may find that unappealing but i find it quite brave wonderful. yes that she fought to stay there for us cuz that's how i that's how i take it so um yeah just like I said, extreme, extreme gratitude and just, I'm impressed with her. You know? These are my Ginsburgiest earrings, by the way. I don't think I said I that. Love it. We are all in black morning. Um, yes. Um, but also robes ish, right? Black robes. Absolutely. I don't have a, a, like a doily. I know. I wish I did. I, I would if I was at my mother's because she, my grandmother used to crochet all the time. We have doilies all over the place um, <laughs> and like half doilies I could have worn. Um, but you know, she's just a cool, cool lady and she'll be missed. And she, you know, let's not all be too upset because it's well, 
you can uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Insta at that other F word pod. Um, you can find us at that other F word.com. And like and subscribe. Please make sure a friend likes and su- subscribes. Oh, Mitchell, thank God you're here. Um. <laughs> and we think Ruth Bader Ginsburg would want you to remember feminism isn't <laughs> a bad word. word.